you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Destra. Plenty more Flyers Talk for you Flyers fans, even in an offseason that has not been as busy, and obviously this week has been kind of all election talk, and we're going to we're going to have a little fun with that. We're going to have a little fun with the presidential election, make it a little Flyers-themed election talk. But first, we're going to start off with some lineup talk. Bro, we always love talking lineup. I think the fans always love talking lineup. That's one thing I've noticed uh, with every practice, every morning skate, every game, you will hear on Twitter about lineups. Fans love to talk about it, so we're going to talk about it a little bit. And we're not going to go through the entire lineup, but I feel like there's always buzz and discussion and chatter about that top line. Who should be on the top line and why? Brooke, if you had to predict your top line, that first line, who would it be right now as of today going into game one of next season? So this is like the money line. This the money is line, like yes. The money line, the one that you just want because, you know, the Bruins are like, oh, the perfection line or whatever the hell that is. And it's so I dumb. Hate that. I hate that I name. I hate but... it. I hate it. I got that right. I had to get that right off my chest. There we go. Because it's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if I have to think of a line that I think could do some damage, and it's a line that we've seen work so well in the past, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I'm really expecting to see for the majority of this season a Giroux Couturier Konechny line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is finally the season where Konechny makes that jump and makes that first line spot permanent for him. And that's not saying anything about Voracek's game or decreasing his work because you know he's an assist machine. But you also kind of think of that second line. You get Voracek, Hayes, and Let's just throw JVR there for purposes. That's a huge line. Mm -hmm. So it's intimidating for different reasons. But I definitely think Konechny plays his best when he's put with the top players. Um, Again, not saying that he can't produce on his own, but he has a little bit of, I hate this word, but swagger. When I ah, I hate that I use that word, <laughs> but he does he does have a different energy when he's with some of the top guys, and you know, Giroux has chemistry with just about everybody on the team, and then you have Katoria who's coming off of a selkie season, so I think that'll only help Konechny, and yeah, that's what I got for a top line. I think they'd be they'd be pretty dangerous. I think that would be pretty exciting. Uh, a Couturier connect me Drew line. Uh, that's pretty darn good. 
And that's actually what I had as well. I will say, here's what I kind of debated too, Brooke. I like that and I agree with it. That's exactly what I had. I thought for the reason of get Travis Konechny going early, get him confident, look at him as a star and put him with those two players. Uh, obviously, we know he had the scoreless postseason. Uh, excuse me, goalless postseason. He had zero goals in 16 games in the return to play tournament. Get him up there, get him feeling good, um, and let him just show himself again. And I think you said when he's at his best, he's playing with the best. And uh, that's what I like about it. The reason I thought about maybe Voracek on that top line instead was for a few reasons. We saw Jacob Voracek take off last year next to Sean Couturier. So I thought having that chemistry, that uh, duo there along with Drew uh, could really create some instant uh, offense right off the bat. Um, it, you know, like you said, don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I thought they were really good down the stretch. Why not have them back together? So I would think about that a little bit. And I also really liked when Konechny was playing on the same line with Oscar Lindblom. I thought they were really oh, yeah. good together. And I thought maybe if you have Konechny <laughs> on that second line and say Oscar goes to that second line and he's good to go and he's healthy and back looking like himself, uh, for whenever this 2020-21 season starts, maybe having those two together, I thought, could kind of rekindle things again. So that was my thought process there. But, yeah, let's get connecting on that top line and show himself, right? Yeah, it's – like you said, Konechny and Boracek both have really interesting cases for the top line because I think in addition to the kind of skill set that Konechny possesses, he also adds a level of speed – to the top line that Voracek severely lacks in. So while he's very – Voracek's a guy who is able to just sit back, set up, and help his other line mates produce. Um, and that's also kind of something that Drew really kind of sat back this year, and he knows that he's capable of stepping up when he needs to. But he kind of leaned back this year and just kind of contributed to – putting the spotlight on Couturier, which is exciting and it's new. Um, but if they want a faster line, something that's a little more dynamic or to switch things up, then that's when I lean toward Konechny. But I don't know. As long if you, if you have guys that are surrounding Couturier and making him look even better than what he is, we're golden. Yeah. And, and- – Brooke, would you say, or is there any doubt in your mind that Claude Giroux should be on that first line? I think we saw him bounce around during the playoffs when Elaine Vigneault was basically trying everything and anything uh, when they were struggling to score some goals. I, I have a feeling there's going to be some debate among fans of where Giroux should be in that lineup. Should he be on that first line? I think he should. Do you have any doubt in your mind that maybe someone else should be on that top left wing spot? Nope. There we I go. Saw... <laughs> <laughs> End of argument. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, drop the end of podcast. No. Yeah. I remember there was a point in the beginning of the playoffs where Giroux was on the third line. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, I am going to have to go to Toronto and yell at Elaine Vigneault. Because, first of all, it just it made me mad. So unbelievably mad. But also, it's not... Listen, it's not disrespectful to Giroux, but he was in no way playing that poor, that poorly to demote him to the third line to the point where you had guys like Derek Grant playing the same amount of minutes 
as your captain, if not more so. And Nate Thompson. Nate Thompson saw too much ice time throughout that playoffs to make me feel confident in the slightest. But, yeah, there's, there's really no debating. Giroux is not on a decline. No. He has valuable assets. He's an incredible player. He's an incredible leader on and off the ice. He deserves to be on the top line until it's proven otherwise. Yes, I, I would think Drew would have to be in a massive funk, um, a, a terrible slump scoring-wise, and just proving, like literally forcing the hand of a Yo to say, I am not good enough to be on this line. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be the yeah. only result. And if, if anyone's thinking why they shouldn't be together, Couturier and Drew, just think of this. Claude Drew had his career resurgence on the left wing playing next to Sean Couturier in 2017-18 when he had his huge breakout 100-point season. And that also uh, created the breakout for Sean Couturier. Couturier's breakout season was that year, 2017-18, when he was a first-line center with Giroux on his hip on the left wing. So that those two both had breakout years together, um, resurgent year for Claude Giroux, and the breakout finally for Sean Couturier. Keep those two together. They're too good together. <laughs> At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever with our most exciting and fuel-efficient lineup. The choice is yours. Now get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today at NissanUSA.com. Brooke Desher, a player with, you know, maybe top-line potential, but certainly top-six potential, uh, is Morgan Frost, a Obviously, probably the top prospect in the organization's prospect pool. We saw him uh, briefly uh, for about a 20-game stint or so at the NHL level last year. He made his NHL debut, came out with a bang, had, uh, I think, three points in his first two games, including two goals. Uh, we, we saw glimpses of him. We know what he can do playmaking-wise. And it's created a lot of chatter about what should we expect for him next season. Where will he be? Um, what kind of role can he play at the NHL? I think a lot is up in the air with him. There's a lot of proving to do. But kind of what are your expectations for this kid? So right off the bat, and I think that this is a really important thing to note with prospects, especially with Morgan Frost, if he is going to be able to get more playing time, more ice time in Lehigh Valley with the Phantoms, they're going to keep him there until they know that he is capable of getting the time at, as a top six player. Um, it's, it's really an interesting situation. I was happy that we kind of caught a glimpse of him last season, seeing just a little bit of how he was able to adapt, and he did struggle. And it was interesting because that was really the first time since he was drafted a few years ago that you really saw Frost struggle. As a player, because he's incredible when he was with the Greyhounds in the OHL. Ridiculous numbers that he was putting up. So his transition to the Phantoms was pretty, it was, it was pretty solid. You know, he put up 13 goals, 16 assists. Um, and because he was bouncing back from the NHL and AHL. Um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting situation. Um, but I think it's clear that Vigneault also knows he's not going to bring him up 
unless he knows that he needs that time. And given the fact that we have Couturier and we have Hayes and there's the potential to have Patrick back, you're not going to bring in Morgan Frost and put him on the fourth line. You're, it's just, it's not going to happen. So yes, it's, it's important to make your bottom six as deep as you can, as talented as you can, but as a pro his kind of game, he needs time mm -hmm. to be able to grow that confidence and gain that kind of momentum transitioning into the league. So it's, it's interesting. It's almost like the same thing with um, Nicholas Albay-Kubel yeah. when he got a little taste of the league two years ago, but his average was maybe three to five minutes of ice time. You couldn't see what he was capable of. The minute he was getting substantial amount of playing time, you saw the kind of player that he was going to become. So I think the same thing kind of has to play in motion with Frost. I don't know. Like I said, it's, a, it's an interesting situation. What are, your, what are your takes on it, Jordan Hall? It is. It's a big question, and there's so many different ways you can look at it, like you said. And um, I, for me, I, I think in the NHL, you can have all the skill, all the flash you want, uh, but there has to be some elements of 200-foot play if you're going to be – a really good player in the NHL and you're going to play um, when the game's on the line, uh, play in all situations, you have to have some 200 foot to your, to your game. And I think the Flyers are still looking for that from Morgan Frost. Um, look at Travis Konechny. He said uh, he wasn't really a 200 foot player until this past season. He said he has some self-reflection in the off season uh, before last season. And he said, I, I thought to myself, how can I be there day in and day out um, consistently? And he said that was, uh, becoming a 200-foot player, playing in all situations and, uh, and, be, and having all those qualities. And, and what do you know? He had a breakout year, and he was heavily relied upon by the coaching staff. So uh, there were some quotes by both Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher this offseason. Uh, recently, Elaine Vigneault said, as far as for Morgan Frost, tons of potential. If he can put it together and figure it out, he'll be a real good player for us. And then he also said, with the right attitude, right commitment, and the right work ethic, he can be a real good player if, if he can put it all together. I think that's Elaine Vigneault challenging him to say, hey, we can't just have you be one and done, get the puck into the zone. If nothing happens, then all of a sudden we're back in the defensive zone and, and we're stuck. They, they want to see 200-foot type of qualities and the right decision-making when you get into the neutral zone and you get the puck in the offensive zone. And I think Frost shows flashes of that, but he's not there yet. And then Chuck Fletcher even said this offseason, the general manager of the Flyers, um, that uh, Morgan Frost, his game, is on, his game on the ice is pretty good. There's some things that he has to work on, his play away from the puck, managing the game at certain times, and learning when to fight and when maybe not to fight in terms of trying to make a play through the middle of the ice when something's there and when it's not there. And Fletcher really talked about using this time to gain strength. And Frost is a player, as we know, needs to gain strength. And that will help you be a 200-foot player. So – I don't think we're looking for Morgan Frost to be a Sean Couturier, like an absolute monster um, in all three zones of the ice. But you have to have some of that in your game. And I think Frost is building towards that, but uh, he's still got a ways to go in terms of becoming that type of player. And I think that's what the Flyers are looking for. But, Brooke, I find it very interesting that all this time, you know, obviously he was with the Flyers in Toronto, didn't play. Uh, 
and then obviously this off season will be a different type of off season. There's a lot of time, a lot of downtime before we even know when the, the season is going to start. This is a time for him to, I think, really, really work on his strength. And I, is that something you're looking for? I think that's something we should all look for for him is to really come into camp next year, looking stronger and more like a man and ready to play in those physical type of games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we even saw it last year when he came in with training camp. We, the first time he hit the ice, we were like, all right, he looks like he bulked up a little bit. And yep. I believe he put on, what was it, 10 pounds, 15 pounds so from the yep. previous season. So it'll be interesting to see how he trains and works this off season to prepare for next year, especially in the fact that he does have an incredible work ethic for his age. And while he only had 20 games of NHL experience last season, he's the kind of player that is going to have such a fire and a drive to be able to get back and help. You know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't content with the fact that he just had that little stint. He only had seven points, the two goals, five assists. It was great experience for him. He kind of knows what to expect going into things next year. But it's, it's again, it's, I'm stressing the whole, it's, he's such an interesting prospect at the moment because in some aspects of his game, it, it is there and he has the talent and the skill set that he has is just unreal, but it's taking that next step forward and maybe bulking up a little bit more, being a little more aggressive, kind of. We know he's a flashy player. We've seen him in shootouts. We've seen him enter the, the offensive zone. It's, it's something like you've never seen before. He's a very unique, one-of-a-kind kind of player. It may not be enough for the NHL. So like you said, like Chuck Fletcher said, it's, and Elaine Vigneault, it's really kind of challenging him. It's a mental thing. And you know that that's something Vigneault loves to do. Is a little, it's a mental thing with his players. So... I think that they all know, and I think we, we kind of know deep down, too, that Frost is going to be able to make that jump. It'll be interesting to see how he does that this offseason, though. Like, imagine going to the Toronto bubble, you playing a little bit in the round robin, and then you sit and you watch your team play. You know that he sat there like, oh, my God, I wish I was there helping my team. Yeah. Like, I'm happy to be here but I want to be on the ice. I want to be a part of this. I want to be able to make them better. So I think that's a lot of drive and something that he's going to take into this off season and next season too. Absolutely. And you, and you know, he was there watching one of his good friends, Joel Farabee, a young prospect who was after he actually drafted a year after um, kind of have a regular role. He sat a few games during the tournament, uh, but he played, and, and contributed. And he's probably looking at Joel Farabee and saying, hey, I can do that too. Um, I want to be there with my friend. Um, I, have, I have the potential to be there every day for them. And that's why I think Joel Farabee played a lot because his game never really his – game, his game was consistent. Um, it wasn't too high. It wasn't too low. Uh, and you saw Frost come up. He starts with a bang. He has three points in his first two games. He has two goals. And then over the final 18 games of his 20, he had four assists, no goals. He really kind of plateaued. And to be an NHL player, you have to be consistent. And he's still getting there. And I think we hear Elaine Vigneault always talk about, I put my players, my young players, in positions where they can succeed. And Morgan Frost, for him to be successful, 
he has to be in positions where he can score and to be in positions where you can show your offense and show your scoring ability, you have to be higher in the lineup. Like you said, Brooke, they're not going to play him on a fourth line. They probably don't want to see him a ton on a third line. They probably would love to, for him to eventually be a top six player, but to be a top six player and play top six minutes, what do you have to do? You have to be well-rounded. You have to be able to score, but you have to be able to also be smart, uh, be positional, uh, be good away from the puck. Um, and he's not there yet. But I think they know he has the potential to be, but he's got to do the right things in terms of decision-making, bulking up, and becoming more of that player. And let's hope he gets there. Let's hope this time is a good chance for him to kind of uh, work on all of that and come into camp hungry. Um, I expect to see him, Brooke, at some point next season. Absolutely, like just like we did last year. I think you would agree with that, right? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. He's, he's going to work his butt off. Yeah. To be able to get that roster spot again. And like I said, it's healthy competition. I've said that so many times on this podcast since the off season started. Healthy competition is good competition, especially with these young up and coming prospects, especially with Frost, because there's a little bit of question that if Patrick wasn't ready, maybe it was Frost that would slide in there and take that third C. But if Patrick does play and he is ready to go for training camp and Frost is like, I still want to make this roster, who's telling him that he can't? Yep. No one. No and, one. How, and how exciting is that? That, it, yes, if Nolan Patrick, when and if he's ready to play – if he can come back and, you know, play down the middle like the Flyers uh, have anticipated him to do in the future, and then all of a sudden you have Morgan Froster kind of waiting in the wings, suddenly there's a lot of excitement down the middle for the Flyers in terms of Sean Gatoria, who you know is going to be here for a long time, Kevin Hayes, who's only in year two of his seven-year deal, and then you have a Nolan Patrick and Morgan Frost kind of fighting for minutes, fighting for a role. Uh, two guys that were in the same draft. Same draft, first yeah. round, first round picks by the Flyers. All kind of all of a sudden, kind of duking it out for for positions and, and roles. So, man, that's exciting. Let's hope that you know. I'm sure Flyers fans are hoping that is kind of how it uh, transpires, but time will tell. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. So, Brooke, I'm not sure if you know. I, I, I don't quite know, but I believe there's a presidential election going. What? Currently, yeah. What? I, I went on the that internet. That hasn't been taking up my life for the past. <laughs> 48 plus hours. My anxiety is not at an all time high. What are you talking about, Jordan? No, I was, I opened Twitter. I was flipping through the channels too on the TV and I, I saw something about it, but yes, apparently there is a presidential election going on. So we were thinking, let's have a little fun with it. Which flyer Brooke? which flyer do you think would make the best president? <laughs> it's a fun one. That's a fun one. Cause I think there's some good candidates here. There is. Some not so good So I feel like I don't harp on him a lot on the podcast, but I feel like this is definitely a time where I can give him a little bit of light. Um, I think James Van Riemsdyk oh. is such a voice of reason. Yeah. And he is just a mellow guy he always has himself together he carries himself well he's a wonderful representative of the team of the league 
And I think that would really carry over. Um, it would definitely be interesting regardless of the situation, but this is a hypothetical question. So exactly. wh why not go with this? But he's, he's a really, he's a smart guy. Um, and it, it would be interesting to see, you know, who he would, what he would do. That is, I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. When, I, when, when we were laughing, just talking about this question before the podcast, like JVR did not come to mind. I don't know why. And my initial reaction or my, next, my initial thoughts were like Claude Drew and some of the more like, you know, captains and leadership guys. Mm -hmm. Man, JVR, that's a good one because he really is. Thank like, you. He is, bro, he is, you're right. He is so level-headed, even-keeled, like win, loss, uh, you know, tough times, good times. He is there to talk to you and be a pro. And I feel like, yeah, he would be a good guy to kind of keep everything in perspective and lead the mm -hmm. people. Um, man, that's a good one. Bro, for me, I, I, thought, I thought Sean Couturier. Um, yeah, that was my backup. Quiet, yeah, kind of a quiet leader. Uh, the people love him. We know that Flyers fans love him. Everyone looks up to him and sees him and they listen. Um, and he's kind of a, yeah, a quiet subtle lead by example guy um, that everyone respects and you know he can be tough on you or he can be your friend um, I just feel like he would have everyone on the same page in my opinion uh, and a funny uh, one that kind of came to mind a former flyer broke if he was still here I thought Wayne Simmons would be a hell of a oh candidate. yeah yeah that's actually so funny that you said that because yeah. when you prompted this question earlier <laughs> I was literally like, man, Simmer. So if that's, if that's not a testament to the kind of person and player and character that Wayne Simmons is, yep. I don't know what is. So yeah. that's hysterical that you said that. I thought me and you would 100% agree on Wayne Simmons there. I think it's like you said, uh, that's not a testament to who he is, that me and you both thought of him right away. Because uh, I just remember Sean Couturier. I remember talking to some Flyers players uh, – before the season, the home opener, not the, the official home opener, which was in Prague, but the first game at the Wells Fargo Center this year, obviously it was against the Devils. It happened to be Wayne Simmons's uh, reunion, his return. And so I got a chance to talk to some of the players about, you know, what he was like as a teammate. I remember Sean Couturier, a quote that stuck with me was, he was like, hey, he, I looked up to him when I was a younger player. Uh, he was a, new, a no BS kind of guy. And that's what I respected. Like, he just didn't put up with BS. He would keep you in line, but he'd be the first one that kind of had your back when you needed it. Um, man, if that's not a good presidential candidate, I don't know who, what it is. Um, but I, I, will, I always love being able to bring Wayne Simmons into this podcast some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yep. It's been a lot recently because of the offseason, because of the trades. It's just, free agency. <laughs> yes. Everything's mushing together now because we're in November and yep. we're not – three weeks into a hockey season. Yeah. So. And I think I know what you mean. Trade, there's been trade chatter this off season more than probably other years, just because we know in terms of like the flat cap and uh, this being a very different type of off season, uh, it's tough to move players or sign players, so to speak, uh, with obviously, you know, less uh, financial flexibility. So yes, all the trade chatter too. There's been so much of that, you know, buzz in a, uh, in an off season. So yeah, Wayne Simmons, that's, that's a go on, but. How about he's the VP? Yeah, there you go. I like that. Just so we can, a little loophole to your question, because you only said president. 
Yeah, and he was always so, always an alternate captain here, so I think he'd be a good like VP to a JVR Sean Couturier type. Why not, right? Meant to be. Yeah, meant to be. Hypothetically, meant yeah. to be. <laughs> I remember there was always the joke, like oh, not the joke, but there was always like the saying of um when uh, when he was the alternate captain for for a while to Claude Drew. Claude Drew was the good cop, and Wayne Simmons was kind of the bad cop. It was kind of like Drew was the lead by example. Maybe didn't. He wouldn't, you know, ream you out or yell at you. And and Wayne was kind of Wayne Simmons was kind of there to uh, keep guys in line if it, if if that was uh, what the situation asked for. So yeah, I think that'd be a fun fun little VP president uh, situation. But Brooke, this was fun. This was fun. I hope you have a great weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you next Monday. Yeah, I can't wait. This this presidential talk was a lot less stressful than. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> then the other one going yes. on. totally. So it was fun to detach from reality for a little bit and think about hockey players running the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as always, love chatting with you, Jordan Hall. Can't wait for next week. Awesome, Brooke. Thank you so much, Brooke Destra. Special thank you to our podcast producer, Ben Berry. Flyers fans, thank you for listening. This is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate, and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.